That's excellent. I want to shift gears on you, Doug, to, to um, up, I want to talk about uh, pastoral ministry and just your your philosophy and understanding of a pastor and what the role, you're, you're training pastors, pastors for the local, you know, for the local church. So what, um, uh, before we, before we get into that, though, I do want to circle back around to, you talked about something really important that I know I've already heard from you several times. It's important to you. It's really something important to me. Spiritual fathers yeah. and having pastoral mentors, people who know me and listen to this podcast, you know we just talk about that all. I mean, it's a big part of what we're trying to do here. So, we maybe talk about that. Maybe the who are maybe the top two or three men that have been most influential in your life, and why are spiritual fathers, pastoral mentors for pastors in the ministry, older men uh, to be able to pour in? Why is that important? Oh man, well. Let me just give my names, man, in terms yeah. of... Yeah, give the names first. Comprehensively, in terms of younger, in terms of just regular dude, Dr. Eric Mason, man. Love that brother. Took good care of me. Takes good care of me, man. That's my man right now. We, just, we was just together in Philly. Yeah. Working on some D-men stuff. Yeah. And, um, but in terms of OGs, I mean, I've always admired, loved, and and um, Dr. Um, Crawford Loritz. Love him. Of course, oh, his son. Yeah. Mean his son is tight. I love that crazy joker. Hmm. And um, Brian Loritz. And, but Crawford Loritz has been a consummate leader, just amazing leader, brilliant, godly, faithful. I mean, faithful dad, faithful husband. His godly example is a testimony of the of just the power of God to keep a man for a long run. That's good. Um, second one is Dr. Tony Evans, of course. I yeah. mean, you can't live on earth. And be African American in ministry. You can't live on earth and be Say, anything or, in ministry, or, or, or white for that matter. <laughs> speaking personally, man. But yeah. yeah, but in this world of church planting, of course, he planted Oak Cliff probably forty years ago. And uh, man, what a model and a man of God. One of the most brilliant humans I think on earth. I just have such a deep respect for oh, him, man. He's he's, just, he's something. He's just a brilliant. His, his sons, his daughters. I mean, they're just a yeah. whole brilliant squad, man. Yeah. They're they're just a model for us, man. And um. Um, two other guys are um, Dr. Paul Tripp for me. Okay, yeah. Um, poured into me, pours into me, still supports me, loves me. Um, um, I was he was my he was my mentor when I was doing a residency at Tenth Pres in Epiphany. So man, he still he just donated his book lead. He said, Doug, everybody at your seminary has got to get this book. Mm. <clears throat> this is pivotal. Um. And he talks real intense like that. Yeah. This yeah. is pivotal. And I said, man, I agree. Yeah. I can't afford it. Can I get them free? He said, yeah, I'm going to give them to you free, Joker. And um, so he sent us 85. <coughs> he sent us 85, and I gave them out free to each student mm. at the time at Grimke. <coughs> I'm going to steal your water. Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, man. <coughs> My allergies are kicking in. And so Dr. Paul Tripp and his wife, man, they just love me and Angel so, so big. And... Marion Clark, he's the most probably the most unknown of all these people. But when I stepped down from interim pastor role, I was sort of sad and didn't know what I was going to do. Um, my money was really funny, mm. so he took me and got me something to eat, and uh, we went to an awesome bar, his favorite bar, because they have pulled turkey. That's his thing. Yeah, pulled turkey. Okay. Um and frog legs and Chimay beer. So, mm. so we went there and I was in tears, struggling. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do, Marion. He said, "Doug, listen, this is what you're gonna do. 
um, you're going to eat your sandwich. You're going to come over to 10th. We're going to talk. We're going to pray. We're going to see what God says. And then we're going to see how we can help you. And man, listen, you just going to plant a church. You want to plant in urban context? Well, we'll talk with Eric. That's what he called um, he called Eric Mason that we'll talk with Eric and we'll pray. We'll talk to Phil and we'll just figure it out. And hmm. man, God's going to do something, man. And we're just going to, man, just eat. Hmm. I was like, and he's a tiny little fella, yeah. you know, five, two <laughs> hundred pounds with bricks in his pocket uh-huh. and just soft spoken. One of the most godly dudes I know on the planet, man. And he just said that. And I just cried and hugged him. Hmm. And sure enough, man, he raised money. Got my salary. Did everything he said he, he just, I mean, in two weeks, like it was like magical. <laughs> and um, and he most recently said, Doug, I know you always had a dream for a library. He was retiring from his church. Uh oh. He's about 70. He had a dude deliver me like stop it. Three thousand books stop it. on a trailer to my door. Like that man. was his retirement present from the church to me. Oh, so man. So Marion Clark is one of the most amazing godly dudes. I call him a spiritual father. He says, I don't know about that, Doug. All I did was do what God called me to do. Yeah. And, you know, just helping you. I was just doing what God. I said, Well, that's fathering. Yeah. He was like, Thanks for making my point. <laughs> right, right. Thanks for making my point. Yeah. <laughs> So those four, Crawford Loritz, Dr. Crawford Loritz, Dr. Tony Evans, Dr. Paul Tripp, of course, Eric Mason and Mary Clark. Yeah. Those cats. So wh- why why having mentors like that? Like, I'm pretty convinced that every pastor needs that. Most don't have it in any way. Why is that important, you think, to have somebody like that in your life? Well, I think it's important. Um, a, um my good friend Blake Wilson in he always talks about this thing called daddy deprivation. Okay. Um, Dr. Eric Mason brought that out in his book, Manhood Restored, in like chapter two. He talks about daddy deprivation. Daddy deprivation is a reality for the guy with the good father and the guy with the bad father. Yeah, Why? right. Because the, the quintessential ultimate father is in heaven. He's perfect. And the best dad can't compare to that. Right. And the best dad fails. So there's still a component of the guy with the dad and the guy without the dad and spiritual ministry and, and pastoral ministry to serve, to grow and to develop. So when you serve, grow, um, when you serve um, in the world, you know, we're fighting the evil one. Um, um, the Bible talks about inventing of evil, inventing sin. So this is a nasty context. We talk about Ephesians. We talk about spiritual warfare. All those factors, man, you try to take that on your own. It's nuts. Atheists that don't even believe in God have mentors. Right. Right. (laughs) Because there's a, the deprivation for relationship that that community, we were made for community. The Trinity is the perfect model, right? Father, mm. Son, and Holy Spirit, they never vote against each other. Yeah. They're always in accord. I mean, yeah. perfect harmony. That's the uh, the eternal community in which we model. And that community support is so, so vital. Not just for the, you can do it, but we need mentors that say, don't you dare do it. Yeah. And often mentors have not been mentors. They've been boy guys. Yeah who have not been able to corral. Why? Because what is a mentor? What is a coach? That's why I love Paul. Mm-hmm. He ain't talk about coaching. 
mm-hmm. or mentoring. Yeah. He said, Timothy, my true son. Mm-hmm. Titus, my son. Onesimus, my son. Mm-hmm. He puts a family nurturing family connection and component looped to the Holy Ghost through the eternal blood of the Lord Jesus and puts them in such close cosmic relationship as in reproduction. Remember, Father reproduces a child. Mm -hmm. And so when Paul uses that language, that is not no six weeks talking to no joker type of relationship Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about a father to a son. And remember, he never calls himself, he calls himself spiritual father one time in Corinthians when he says, God has made me your father, but the rest, he keeps referring to them as sons. sons so yeah. he puts the relationship in where it is. I'm here to nurture. You're here to grow, but I'm here to serve you. And so often I grew up where the spiritual sons were subservient to the spiritual father. And he got all the work and all the homage and standing up and pouring his water. No, nah, that's not what Paul is doing. Paul is doing that with these men who need coaching and support. Mm. But Brian, as you know, as I do, that. Um, they don't hire apostles in, in evangelical conservative church planning circles. Not right? the last I checked. Yeah, no. Hey, listen, and I ain't screaming apostles. I ain't saying the office is open. I'm saying, but that apostolic that, functionality. That functionality. Yep. No, there's no job description for that. So you know what that you know what a guy like that becomes? Me and you. Yeah. We work at networks and we call ourselves coaches and mentors. Yeah, yeah. But there's a spiritual fathering component. Why is it needed? Well, it's interesting with Timothy. It talks about his mama and grandmama. Yeah. Don't mention his dad. Yeah. So this biracial kid who had to get snipped at an older age. Yep. Yep. <laughs> in order to satisfy the 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 groanings of people that didn't like his biracialness, half Greek and half Jewish, um, man, he went through some stuff. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And um I'm sure he had daddy deprivation just like I have. Mm-hmm. And man, I tell you what, them two letters he got, yeah, they yeah. probably got that man through there. Hmm. Because the father, my dad, when he came to know Christ in 92, prior to that, he taught me some of the worst street gangster talk ever. Yeah, But when he came to know Jesus, he pointed away from himself. So... Before Jesus, listen, boy, somebody touch you, you send them to the seminary. You pick up a bat and you crack their head open. Mm. That's what I would do. That's how you're supposed to do it. So that was all how it was. Mm. He came to know Jesus, man. He would be like, see, son, you got to love your wife, man. The same things you do to get her. Mm. It's the same things you got to do to keep her. Mm. And you got to keep her in that Bible. Because Paul in Ephesians, he talk about that. You got to do like that. (laughs) And so the father always drives us to the son. Mm-hmm. The, the father should always drive his spiritual son to the eternal son, Jesus. Mm. That's what Paul did. So much so he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm. Don't. And that is so important today in this world of people falling apart, mm. in this world of pastors committing suicide, yeah. in this world of depression, anxiety, alcohol abuse, pill abuse, trying to and this is in pastoral ministry oh, yeah, all yeah. these things are happening right, right. man a spiritual father goes so far and i'm so grateful to the ones i have and particularly eric mason 
Paul Tripp and those guys I already mentioned, man, those mm. guys mm. nurtured me. Mm. And I'm so grateful that I get to nurture about 12 myself. Yeah. Um, it's exhausting, but it's good work. I appreciate you sharing that and that you're doing that work and, and passing on what was invested in you from these other guys. So when so when Peter, in 1 Peter 5, you know, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Mm-hmm. How would you explain what is he saying? What's the world of the past? What does shepherding mean? Let me just drive it straight down my Camden Street. All right. Stay your butt off of Facebook all the time trying to shepherd some ghost people online that probably got their pajamas on and don't even go to church. <laughs> Why don't you shepherd them folk God gave you at the building who need help, who need shepherding, who need the, who need the gospel, who need in the hood, who need help not wasting their they, they income tax return and help them steward their money. We need to shepherd the people. We need to fan the flame of maturity of our own church, and we need to preach to the people and stop chasing the platform. And then we'll mess around and grow a healthy church that becomes um, this tower, this, this, this lighthouse that sits on the hill that can become a refuge on the block and not just tweeting all day. We need less preachers on the blog and more preachers on the block. <laughs> so you're beating around the bush. I need to. We need to. I need to rephrase this. You're, you're, no, that's really helpful, man. Arguing on Twitter with ghosts when you got John in front of you struggling with oh, man. cocaine. Come on, man. Pastor that dude. No kidding. And Peter's saying, "Stay your butt home." And you know that First Peter five is interesting. Dr. Tony Marita, me and him talked about that because we preached that at Grimkey at the chapel one time, and he basically is saying, you know, shepherd the flock of God among. He's almost telling them. Don't be meddling in other people's business. Yeah, there's among you. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 among you. Mind your business, <laughs> and your business is your church. That's good. That's good. So, you have been a pastor in a few different contexts. What? Maybe throw out a few things that. What are some of the things you loved about being a pastor? Being in the messy work of being involved in people's lives, being a part of their lowest moments as well as their highest moments, just shepherding them few things that made you just really love that work even though it's hard man well uh, listen i think i fell in love with pastoral ministry Mm. with my experience at as a young kid at black funerals Mm. black funerals a unique thing oh talk about that (laughs) talk about that man so hey listen family members who've been mad at each other for 20 years (laughs) you get to a funeral reconciliation automatically happens really Oh man, death does something in the black in the black funeral that just brings a level of unity and huh. heart softness. Um, I know for me myself, man, I've been mad at family members, and I get to the funeral, I have nothing. Mm. Um, the idea of death, the finality of it, and then see, death brings about a f- the f- the finality of death brings about the reality of division. Mm. So the person dying, if I hadn't seen them in 20 years, I'm thinking, man, we argued about, you know, football. And then we stopped speaking for 20 years. Now he's dead. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting flout. Man, it's so awful. And so when it gets there, man, I know in my family, them Browns, them Logans, like we, we get funerals. I mean, we could be arch enemies arguing for 30 years. And we are. Ah! We start crying and loving and hugging each other, and it just brings about a reconciliation. I told you that to tell you why. The at, in 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 pastoral ministry, man, we carry about the realities of death and dying. For me, in the inner city, man, yeah. it's death and dying all the time. Yeah, you. 
people are here one day and then, and then the next day I'm, I'm on Facebook and I'm seeing that they're dead. And the realities of family separation, people separated from God, people mad at the church, separated from church, hate God, hate the church, hate their parents. Mm. Parents, um, single parent homes run rampant in the hood and all of that, man. So family separation, separ eternal separation from God, sin, running around, all of this. New families being created through gangs because the family unit has broken down so far. Mm. All types of stuff happening, and that death is always upon us. So, Pat, I fell in love with the church. You know why? Because, man, when somebody in the hood, for me, got, gets saved, I don't care which family member is mad. They show up to church that Sunday yeah. to see that baptism. Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I seen Muslims come to my church to see a dude get baptized yeah. who used to be on the block getting money mm -hmm. you know so it's like that so i it's like reconciliation jesus does all this stuff it's that lazarus all over again mm. you know i brought him up so y'all could see it mm -hmm. like it's you know it's all it's often death at a funeral right but the but when i think about the black funeral i think about life at a funeral Interesting. <laughs> That's really interesting, though, yeah. Mm. Because I've preached funerals in the hood, and people have come to faith. So mm. though there was death, there was life mm. at a funeral. Mm. Man. Describe what it's like to see a guy, maybe even just new converted, and then you disciple him and watch him grow and and just maybe just see him flourish in his Christian life, maybe become a leader, maybe one of the guys you send, like, Talk about any any experience like that. Well, man, um, I love the church because, I mean, well, it's the vehicle, Ephesians 3.10, that Jesus is using, this microcosm between, you know, um, fall and consummation right mm. we, we've we've met we've been at the cross we've seen this redemption so this microcosm this vehicle where the wheat and the tears grow together this beautiful thing called the church mm. it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful mess the church from this biblical reality is not this perfect corny place this museum for christians that i thought it was man it's this messy family this weird, messy, mixed-up, diverse family who still struggles with addiction, still struggle with, um, with racism, still struggles with classism, still struggles, but fighting in the Holy Spirit is washing and renewing and making us new and making us better. That's like a regular old family. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I love the church. Once I found out the family, the church was just a regular old messed-up family like mine, man, I, I, I love pastoring that. Mm. Um, and so... To your question then is the beauty of new converts for me was, first thing, Ryan, keep it a hundred. I was dealing with two generations, no church, like, like never been to church. Yeah. So I wasn't fighting against dispensationalism versus covenantal. Yeah. I wasn't fighting against reform versus Arminian. I was fighting against the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was fighting against unbelief. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to prove that I didn't believe in Clarence Larkin. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, I believe in Michael Hort. I didn't have to do all that corny stuff. Mm. Um, um, I'm so glad. So yeah. I love the journey of Dr. Sm Dr. Steve Smallman 
said this to me, Doug. He said, Doug, when you get to Camden, he said, this is what you got to do. I said, all right, Doug, some moment. He said, you've got to evangelize Christians and disciple unbelievers. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> you got to explain that. You got you to gotta, you gotta impact that, man. He said, so many Christians have been Christians so long. Oh, man. That Come they on. forget <laughs> that the gospel is fresh every day and that every day that is, is so a true. miracle and a gift. That's so so you so you got to evangelize them to get saved again, almost like the Catholic, <laughs> because they've been saved and they forgot how big and beautiful salvation is. They forgot how cosmically separated from God they would have been forever if not been for the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice, bearing the wrath on the cross, bearing the full wrath of God, licking the bowl, and then freely distributing grace to undeserved people. Mm. They forget that. So when you talk evangelism, that's what you say to people, right? Yep. Well, you got to tell Christians that. Yeah. He yeah. says the problem, but he says when you get to unbelievers, they've heard all of that and they don't understand it. Hmm. And they don't get it in the reality of their life. You're telling me to get with Jesus and my life will be better? There's no way my life can be better. Mm -hmm. Do you see these murders? Do you see this hood? Do you see my life? Do you see my fatherlessness? Do you see my grandma die from cancer? Do you see my cousin murdered? And you telling me that Matthew says this and Mark says this and Paul said this? So I disciple unbelievers to their bootleg understanding of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I show them the text. And many of them got saved through being discipled. Wow. <laughs> and many of a Christian got evangelized and got saved again for the first time. Yeah. Oh, man. In that way. And so that was my motto. And, and then so to see that, brother, it was... And then to see a new believer. And then there's a group in the millennials have a group and a little bit pre-millennials have a group. I call them and I label them the ecclesiologically disconnected. Mm. They're, dis they're, they're Christians, but th the church is so irrelevant to them, not in a way of just in some corny irrelevance, but actually irrelevant. They can't answer their questions. They won't answer them. It's sit down and shut up and worship. You're not the pastor. You can't ask a question. And it's not, there was no room for doubting. There was no room for civil discourse about their doubts and their disagreements. There was no room. Mm. And so they said, I love Jesus, but this, this is off. This is not working. And so they become Bedouins in many senses mm. where they just go pillar to post or blog to post. Mm -hmm. looking for uh, uh, um, a Jedi because they're just Padawans aimlessly f walking mm. through life. Mm. So that in and of itself, so the simple journey of seeing somebody get saved in the hood is beautiful because um, anywhere is beautiful, but you're asking me my experience. Yeah, yeah, your experience. So to see somebody come to faith, man, is to see light bulbs go off over time. Yeah. Yeah. Often Christianity describes salvation as I got saved and then I knew the whole Bible in the first hour. <laughs> and then so many testimonies are struggles you overcame, mm -hmm. not struggles you are going through. Yeah. I used to do this and the Lord delivered me from it. Yeah. The beauty of discipleship of new believers as they grow is they often think because they're doing some of the things they used to do before they were saved, that they're not saved no more. Yep, right. But yep. to teach them about grace, yep. 
and to see grace bring them to a deeper obedience and help them through the process of sanctification. Mm. When the light bulb goes off that their father will not leave them. Yeah. I was in Camden, one of the most single, highest single parent homes, highest fatherlessness, in a, one of the highest fatherlessness mm. cities in America. To know that your father fathered you and left you and you've always wanted him back. You never met him or you met him and he don't want you. Yeah, yeah. You tried to do stuff to get his attention, either good or bad, and he still didn't want you. Hmm. This father you got, when you fail, he don't drop you off. He never needs a subpoena to pay child support. Yeah, he takes care of you. And that's why it's so important back to spiritual fathers. Mm. They need to see the pastor ride for them when they crazy too. Not be pretty with them and say it's okay. No, challenge them. And so mm. to see that, what makes it so beautiful is to see a person, I mean, marriage is big in the hood. And so um, we talked about, I was talking to a guy and, um, he never heard a pastor talk about sex with his wife. And um, I because one time I, we were we were out somewhere and I said, I gotta get home, man. I need that that marriage ministry for my wife. I, I've been gone four days. He never heard anybody talk he about said, it. He said, What is marriage ministry? Doc, I'm trying to have some sex with my wife. I love her. She's beautiful. And like, what? You can't talk like that. You're a pastor. Yeah, right. And so those type of things for the light to go off, uh -huh. for me to talk about my wife in a sexual loving way, about her being beautiful, about me loving and being with her and all that stuff, yeah. that was new to him. Mm. Second thing was new to him was um, um, was like alcohol. Yeah, You know, he, a couple of guys thought, you can't drink. I says, no, you can't get drunk. Mm -hmm. So that whole explanation, I talk about this thing called the gift of alcohol, yeah. and we talk about that. And I talk about it, I try to teach them in the biblical context. So those light bulbs going off, most of their objections, they weren't rejecting God. They were rejecting the culture yeah, yeah. of Christianity. Much of it wasn't biblical. Yeah, right. So when we begin to walk that stuff out and light bulbs keep going off, sanctification is happening. And then the last thing I'll say is, and then I remember in my yard one time, one of those young new believers, about three years, a, do, a dude came to my yard. He was angry. And he was talking about some stuff, some unforgiveness about some stuff. And I had walked him through a whole bunch of stuff. And to watch him evangelize this dude off the street, mm. gangster dude off the street, mm. and watch him just walk the Bible out, I just thought, holy smoly. I didn't even have to talk. I get paid to do this? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I was like, yeah, <laughs> preach. Amen. Talk. I said, we need to take offering right now. <laughs> you killed that. And to, to see that guy come to faith Yeah. while I was there. Now, Mr. Pastor was there. Yeah. I didn't even talk. Yeah, right. This new disciple talk led this dude to Christ. Mm -hmm. Good gosh. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, whoa. Yeah. And so those are the joys. That's great. So what are the things that discourage you most about being a pastor? The other side of it. Um, the long journey of shepherding and mentoring, discipling, two things. One is when somebody at the end of that journey decides that they actually don't believe and they walk away from the faith. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, dag, 
We prayed together. We were at church together. Lord, I thought, and God reminds me, you don't have a people, Doug, I do. Yeah. yeah. And I don't make mistakes. You just do what I say. And I handle everything. Let the wheat and the tear grow mm. together. I'll sort it out in the end. That's a hard reality for me. Sure. I'm like, God, I just feel like you're teasing me. Because mm. I'm testifying about this dude being saved and how good he's doing. And then he says, man, I don't believe Diddy. I'm out. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, That's one. And two is, um, um, somebody you walk with a long time. And unreconciled, unrepentant, unwilling to talk, mm. unwilling to speak on theological disagreements. How can there be, and I'm guilty, man, like unreconciled Christians about doctrine in Jesus. And some of those Neither person is even sinful in their doctrine. Mm. We just disagree on it, and then we divorce in that. Mm -hmm. You know, Psalm 55 says, we went in and out of the temple together. Mm. A familiar friend. You know, David says he wants to fly away. That makes me cry, man, like unreconciled brothers and sisters over Sin and non-sin issues. Non-sin issues are even more sad to me. Mm. And um, mm. they just make me sad. So that's the downside. Um, and it comes with the upside. But those things make me cry. Those things make me pray and fast. Those things make me seek counsel. Those things make me examine my heart and repent a lot of anything. I contributed to those to create that that environment, yeah. which I'm sure I have. Um we don't realize, Brian, how much baggage we bring. I'm from the hood, man. I bring some hood baggage. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm right all the time. I never been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for establishing that, by the way, man. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm right all the time. And, and and the third thing is, I had two, but I want to add one more. Yeah, sir. Is this lack of dialogue around the conversation about race mm. and the gospel? Mm. I mean, I've been dismissed by white pastors, by talking about gospel injustice, by being called a CRT, social yes. justice warrior, or a Marxist. That's all it takes. Without a conversation, one thing they see and say, it's, well, you're CRT, dismissed. Atheists don't talk like that to one another. Yeah. Muslims don't talk like that to one another. How in the world does a Christian just dismiss a person without even a conversation. Last I checked, I can't even dismiss an unbeliever. How can you dismiss your brother? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and then to throw out, how do you evangelize if you're mean to me? <laughs> so you're nicer to a person that doesn't believe in God than your brother? I look, I'm guilty too sometimes, but this new thing of, you can just say CRT, Marxist, and then now I'm a heretic without us actually talking. Right. That makes me cry, man. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I have a final question for you. I think we could keep going for hours. At least I could, man. <laughs> but uh, I know you got to preach tomorrow, too. And so, um, it's, it's just that Matthew Spangler. That's true. It's a, <laughs> just, Redeemer, if you heard that, I'm just playing. <laughs> so, last couple pieces of advice. You, 
if you're talking to any pastor, you know, young, old, white, black, whatever it is, like any pastor, is there a couple pieces of advice, counsel that you pretty much give to any pastor you're talking to? Yeah, a couple of things. One thing, one thing I stole from Dr. Crawford, Dr. Crawford Ritz when he spoke at America's Keswick in New Jersey back in 03. Okay. He said, you have to learn as a pastor to fly in a tight formation with a select few. He was likening it to the fighter jets. Oh, yeah. That fly in that V formation. Yeah. He says, they get sent to take out enemies, whole countries. <laughs> right. <laughs> tight formation with a select few. Yeah. You can't be with everybody. That's great. Second, really so, so fly in a tight formation with a select few. Second is take your time. Hmm. I ran into pastoral ministry because I, um, I can have a headstrong, get her done. It's my dream that I brought in. Uns- that that's my philosophy. Unsaved. That's most hip hop artists and artists. They just make music YouTube until they get discovered. That can happen in pastoral ministry. Mm. You want to preach, you want to tweet, you want to do everything so you can get some attention and get going. And then next thing you know, your ministry has outrun your maturity. Mm. And now you're failing and losing your mind. You're in depression, anxiety, and you're saying stuff ridiculous because your ministry can't has overrun your maturity. And that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a disaster waiting to happen. Mm. And so, and third is, man, um, in reference to the flying type formation on a select few, we need to learn more about crockpot ministry that I like to say. Some people say slow slimmer. If I was, I'm here in Louisville, right? We would talk about brisket. Yeah. In the hood, in Camden, we talk, we don't have no brisket. We talk about the crockpot, <laughs> putting that food on, let it cook slow. Yeah. Grandma told me a watch pot won't boil. Mm-hmm. So don't stare at the pot trying to make it boil. A watch pot will not boil. So you got to walk away and take your time. So taking your time, being in a community of people that love you and work with you and can call you call you up with encouragement and call you out by with your, because of your sin is so important. And that crock pot, stop running to be in front walk with God and in due time Bible says mm. he will elevate you mm. stop trying to elevate yourself mm. there's plenty of sinners will never run out mm-hmm. <laughs> and will never run out of a need for a godly pastor who is trained loved good marriage kids under subjection mm. hope of the gospel tested Got some bruises with some scabs on them, mm-hmm. ready to go 40 years, not four years and quit f- for two years, four years and quit for two years. We need some long haul brisket pastors yeah, that. that are just going to take their time, soak. Ultimate statement over all that thing I just said, preparation time is not lost time. Mm. So often. That's good. Alan Iverson said, practice. <laughs> we talking about me missing practice. Yeah, yeah AI, I know you're a Hall of Famer, but you should have been at practice. practice yeah. So pastors, you need to come to practice. You ain't AI. That's good. <laughs> That's good, man. Hey, Doug, thank you for taking the time, man. I just appreciate your ministry so much, and it was, it was great to finally meet you in person. Um, 
Would you maybe be willing to share a couple of prayer requests that listeners who hear this, uh, I'm going to take a minute and pray for you in a minute, but I, but you mentioned a, just a couple of things that listeners who will be listening to this in a few weeks can just commit to praying maybe if they would choose to. Yeah, man. Um, well, I'll do some selfish stuff yeah, for the first yeah, couple, and then I'll free. give you broad for me. Well, one is, um, you know, I stepped down and handed to church one of my spiritual sons, Dr. Ernest Grant, and he revamped. He, he's not hood like me, so, and not only that, he has the freedom I didn't. I'm not the bishop of the church. Yeah. Um. Um. So he's transitioned the church out of Camden to a near suburb, and he's launching actually um, tomorrow. Whoa. Okay. So Accelerate Church, Doctor Ernest Grant, there in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Wow. So um, be praying that they would flourish. So I know this won't come out by tomorrow, but yeah. be praying that they would flourish. He's good and godly, good godly folk. Okay. And there's no need for the gospel there with him. Um. Yeah. Also, um, the ministry of of Grimke Seminary as we're growing. I'm praying for supporters, financial supporters particularly, as we're trying to really beef up the School of Urban Ministry and continue to give a quality, solid education as we work towards accreditation even to um, help us to flourish, stay focused. And, um, and see, I always want to be a bodega. See, that's my prayer. God, keep us a bodega. I don't want to turn into a Walmart seminary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to stay a corner store. Yeah. You know, where sometimes, you know, the mice sneak in and mess up some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And we just get a, get them out. You know, I like bodega. I'm from the hood. I like the bodega. It's just got some food you ain't never heard of. That's good. And even when it's expired, it tastes good. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I like the bodega. So pray for Grimke. Okay. Um, um, pray for my son, man. He is graduating worship leader. Um, gosh, he's... He's got everything I don't. He's brilliant. He's witty. He's he's um handsome little fella, man, and he's um got opportunities to lead in worship. Mm. Broadly, as it pertains to Acts 29, man, we are trying to be the best network we can be that we might advance the gospel in ways that will impact our great great grandkids. Mm-hmm. And so pray for our cohesiveness and that the Holy Ghost would speak mightily um in and through our leadership from Matt Chandler to to um, Brian, Brian Howard, and all of us, that we would do our best and mm. listen to God to be the best network, and that God would send us some of the best and some of the raggediest pastors that we could help to flourish mm. and plant some gospel-centered churches and give the devil a fit mm. till we go to heaven. Um, so yeah, we're just praying about getting that stuff off the ground. Also, mm. um, I'm working on the development of a thing called on the block hmm. funding and just really want to help inner city churches get, you know, the context warrants a different funding. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to raise some money and we're trying to launch that at X29 to help fund urban hmm. planters because they get funded in a different way. Hmm. Um, the financial landscape is different. Um, last thing, just pray for me, man. Um, man, I'm 50, bro. <laughs> and um, I'm so blessed right now and all we're doing I'm tired. I had a couple bouts with some blood pressure stuff. Um, you know, a couple, you know, near death scares from my health. By God's grace, they were all mm. false alarms, okay. but they were Good. scary at the moment. I bet. And um, so just pray for my continued health. Okay. And um It's good. Yeah, that's all I got, man. And it's pray great. and also pray for me because you know, I work with Matthew Spankler Davison and he is you need prayer, dude. so hard to deal with. <laughs> He's a wannabe hood award winner of 2019. So, well, I mean, 
That could be a whole other topic, <laughs> for sure. That's another podcast. That's another podcast. How do you deal with a we'll, British, we'll Scottish, <laughs> Alabama, Kentucky? No, no doubt. <laughs> hey, so before I pray, I do want to encourage people that if you are, if you're feeling led out here in Doug's story and his ministry, uh, feeling led to either financially support Grimke or interested in just the the urban context of raise uh, the money they're raising for that. Just reach out to him, and I you can contact me if you need ways to. Is there is there a direct way to be able to contact you, Doug? Just through a website. Yeah, or just jump on Grimkey. Okay. Um, Grimkey Seminary, I think it's dot org. Okay. Don't I mean he, that name is pretty unique, so it'll pop. Right <laughs> it'll up. pop up. You put Doug Logan and Grimkey, you pop up, and there's a donate tab. Great. Um, man. Every gift is a gift. Okay. And so I praise God for it. I encourage you to do that. And so, Doug, I'm going to take a minute to pray for you as you wrap it up. Please. Let's pray, okay? Thank you, brother. Lord, thanks for, for Doug. Thanks for just uh, the way you've been at work in his life, the way you've used him in local churches and planting. And I pray, Lord, you just continue to bless him, that you would strengthen him in his health, that you would continue to give him the energy and the, the drive, the perseverance in what you're calling him to do. Lord, I just thank you for all you're doing through Grimke, through Acts 29, through him. And I pray, Lord, as he puts his hand to the plow in this work that he's doing, juggling all these different hats, uh, traveling in different ways, that you would just bless his hands and everything that he's doing. We pray, Lord, that this church, even as it, uh, by the time this is uh, heard, will have already uh, moved forward and launched. We pray, Lord, you would bless that church as they move forward. That, that many people would come to know Christ through that church, that that church would become gospel light uh, in that place that they're in. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, bless his family, his, his son in particular as he graduates. Open the doors of ministry that you want him to walk through and pray that you would make that clear to him. And Lord, just keep us uh, in Christ. Help us to persevere in our faith in him. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.